Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. All right. Um, I'm going to go ahead and apologize. Uh, This is the time of year that I normally have a lot of allergy stuff, and because of that, I am losing my voice. I'm not sick. I don't have any other kind of crazy symptoms, so you don't have to, like, run out of here screaming and, you know like a crazy person. I'm good. But I just apologize for my voice. I may have to clear my throat a lot, and I'm going to try my best not to do that. Um, I may take and pause for water breaks like this. If you got a water or coffee, feel free to take a sip. But um, have you ever wished for something? You wish for something? Um, I'll tell you, this morning, I wished that I could go back in time. I wish I could go back in time, and I could go like this on my phone. I've got an iPhone and there's a little flip, a switch here that I could just flip and and turn my ringer on. Because this morning I woke up at my normal time to wake up and I happened to look at my phone and there was uh, a text message and there were about six missed calls from my wife. And you might be thinking, you know, why your wife, wasn't she there with you? Well, yes and no. When I woke up, she was there. When I went to bed, she was not because she took uh, herself and my two youngest boys to Florida this past week to visit our daughter and our uh, son-in-law and our granddaughter. And they were getting back at midnight. They're flying into RDU for, at midnight. And we had already arranged it all. Uh, my son, Luke, <clears throat> yeah, that guy right there. Don't let him, don't let him leave. Um, he was going to pick them up Sunday night or Saturday nights. I try to go to bed fairly early to get my rest and get my mind right to preach and all that sort of stuff. And so he's a young guy. And so we asked him, asked him several times, like, you cool with this? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when it was about bedtime last night, he and I were there at the house. He'd been gone all day. And, um, I asked him, he said, I'm going to lay down for a little bit and take a nap. And I said, would you want me to make sure you're awake when I go to bed? And he's like, no, I'm good. I set an alarm. He did, I guess. You did, right? Just didn't hear it. And I heard nothing all night long. So I get woken up. Well, I wake up and I check that text. And on my text messages is a picture of my six-year-old. I'm not going to show you, but uh, well, I mean, I could, but you can't see it um, right here. I'll say see, you should sit on the front row. You should sit on the front row. But there's a picture of my six-year-old sleeping on a bench outside of the airport like a homeless person. (laughs) Man, I wish I could get back in time. I really do. I really, really do. I did not hear my phone. And and, uh, Luke and I were joking here. I I didn't see any of my family awake until, you know, right before church. And Luke and I were joking. I was like, what if I'd opened up that text and seen that text and that picture and then rolled over and Sherry's like looking at me. <laughs> but you missed a good opportunity there. But here's, here's the reason I'm asking about that. Here's the reason I'm talking about that. It's because sometimes when we're praying, it can feel a lot like wishing. 
You know what I mean? Like when you're praying, you can, it'll feel a lot like wishing. And I, it never ceases to amaze me, even though I shouldn't be surprised, um, of how oftentimes when people do the communion talks, it just fits right in with the message. And, you know, I don't know that Bill really knew what I was going to be preaching about, but it fits right in exactly with what I wanted to talk to you guys about today. And one of the things that I was thinking about as I was preparing this is, I don't know if you can relate to this, but hear me out for a second. See, see what you think. Um, before we really follow Jesus or maybe early on in our faith as we begin to follow Jesus, a lot of times it seems like we pray with greater faith than maybe we'll ever have for the rest of our life. Is that fair? You know, I mean, is that, it's, it's not true of everybody, but I think for a lot of us, we pray maybe with greater faith before we truly follow Jesus or right at the beginning of our faith, we really have this deep faith. It's like we want, we want it, we ask for it, and it seems like we always get it. You ever experience that a little bit? Or, or can you think that far back, depending on how long you've been following Jesus? You know, maybe, um, maybe, you know, you prayed and it seemed like, man, everything that I prayed for just came to be, it came to be, it came to be. And then maybe you see this other side of it. Once you become a Christian, once you get serious in your faith, sometimes sort of like what Bill was talking about, when you pray, you're like, God, why don't you answer my prayer the way that you used to? I don't know. Maybe, maybe we're not supposed to talk about that, but we believe in being open and honest here. And I've had a lot of those same questions. I'm like, God, why? Why not? You know, why can't I have this? Or why can't I have this thing? Or, you know, whatever the the prayer is that I'm asking, why aren't you answering it the way I want you to, God? And my hypothesis is this. I believe at that stage, either it's, it's when we're really just getting to know God or just starting out in our faith, I think a lot of times, not all the time, don't, don't block me out just because I didn't use the exact word that fits your brain, but I believe a lot of the times is that we are asking for very worldly things at that time. You know, um, I'm not saying it's wrong to do this, but you know, dear God, give me a parking space. <laughs> you know, you, you pray that it's okay to pray that I'm not dogging. I'm not dogging it. But sometimes that's where we pray when we're new to the faith or just getting to know God. Um, or maybe this one, I don't know if this is like stepping on toes. I don't know if this is getting into meddling instead of preaching, but uh, maybe, you know, uh, some of you ladies at the stage in your life, if, if you are there or you were looking for uh, a guy, you know, God, if he's the one, make him come and talk to me. But hold on, let me preface it with this. If all you do is you make sure you're around him all the time and you like all his Instagram posts and, you know, if he's not really a great guy, he's absolutely going to come talk to you. I go ahead and guarantee you that. So it may not be God answering your prayer if this dude comes and talks to you or vice versa, you know, guys with ladies. Um, maybe you've prayed a prayer similar to this. Lord, if you want me to have this car, make it happen. And I'll go ahead and tell you, if you take all the overtime and you take a really high interest rate car loan, you will probably get that car. But it doesn't mean that it was God's will or the best thing for you. You know what I'm saying? You might end up with a lot of car repair bills or you might up then with the, you're paying off a car for 18 years, you know, after it's long in the scrapyard. Uh, what I'm saying is, is sometimes when we're starting out, we can pray prayers that in some ways we sort of answer ourselves. You know what I mean? 
And, and I'm not saying God doesn't hear those things and sometimes God is answering that, but a lot of times I believe that's what it's like. And so early on in our faith, when we're praying these kind of prayers and we're seeing these answers, we think like, man, God's really for me. He's really for me. And then the more you grow in your faith and the, the, the closer you get to Jesus, you start praying things and you don't see the answers. You're like, ah, God, why? Can you relate to that? I believe that it's a struggle that most of us have. All you want is to hear God say, this is what I want you to do, or here's this that you've been praying for. And you might get to the point where you get really frustrated and even angry. And you think, God, why? Why did you let this happen? Or why didn't you give me this thing or this person, this relationship? And I think the enemy relishes in that. Because a lot of times people will quit. They just say, I give up. I don't know if this Jesus thing is for real or if maybe he's for real, but he's just not for me. He doesn't care about me the way he cares about these really good people. And that's why I don't get the answers to my prayers. And before we get to that point, prayer can often and faith can often seem easy. But here's what I want you to think about. The place where prayer gets scary is when we understand that God is not Santa Claus in the sky. And that he is not a genie in a lamp that we just rub the lamp and he comes out and boom, you got three wishes. Because we all know you just pray for what first? More wishes, even though they might try to tell you it's a rule, it should not be a rule. Okay, I tried to make it a little lighthearted there, but y'all did not go with me on that little divergent. But anyway, all right, back to the serious stuff. If God is good, if God is good, he cannot and does not give us everything that we want. If he is good, he cannot by his nature, and he does not give us everything that we want. And, and at first that might like set off alarm bells in your brain, like, whoa, 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 whoa. But I said what we want. Do you remember the movie uh, Bruce Almighty? At our guy's Bible study, or sometime recently, uh, uh, Billy shared it. He might even share it in a community talk. I can't remember exactly where it was. But uh, there's a scene in the movie where Bruce gets the, the power of God for a little bit because he's angry at God. And, uh, you know, and, and it is funny that it, God is played by Morgan Freeman in the movie. And I imagine that's close to what God's voice sounds like. Morgan Freeman's got primo voice. But he gets the power of God and he starts hearing all the prayers and it becomes overwhelming. And so it's like, it's like on email, you know, it's like an email inbox and he's checking the emails and he finally says, okay, reply all. Yes. Answer everybody's prayer. Yes. It seems like a good answer, right? Because, Hey, this is what they want. Let's give it to them. But he wakes up to that next day, the world being in what? Utter chaos. I mean, everything is crazy because a lot of people's prayers conflict. And I think one example is that uh, a bunch of people pray to win the lottery and it's divided by like 4 million people. So everybody gets like a dollar. So you know what I mean? And so it seems good when we say we want what we want, but we don't always need what we want. And oftentimes our wants can hurt us. And once we start to realize that truth is that God cannot or does not give us everything we want because he is good, it can start to change the way that we view this kind of thing. But it makes life 
hard sometimes. It can be complicated. And one of the things that I realized is this. More often than not, my struggle with faith and prayer is not, can God do something? And more often than not, maybe my struggle with faith and prayer is not, will he do something? But often, this, my struggle with faith and prayer is when and how will God answer my prayer? You know, I, I've come to realize that, that, you know, at least for me, and you, you, may, you, may, you may doubt God, and, and that's okay, I'm glad you're here. This is not a place where if you say, I have my doubts about God, that we're going to be like, oh, blasphemer, because I don't think that's the way God is. I don't think that's the way God is. God didn't strike Gideon with lightning when he laid out fleece and all that sort of stuff and tested and questioned God. You know, he, he didn't do that. We don't, we don't run from you or we don't expect you to leave if you've got doubts and you've got questions. But for me personally, now at this stage of my life, I'm not saying that I never have those doubts, but very seldom do I say, can God do something? I believe most of the time that he can. Um, oftentimes I don't even struggle with, will he, you know, if I'm praying in his will. And that's a little bit of what we're going to talk about today. But what I really struggle with, and maybe you can relate to it, is that third idea that oftentimes my struggle with faith and prayer is when and how will God answer? You know, it's, it's difficult to know what to ask for and how to pray. So how do you balance with you know, what you want with, with God's will being done? The more you grow in faith, the more that I hope you realize that it's not just about you. And, and maybe somebody needs to hear that today. It's not just about you in life. It's not just about you. And so how do you balance that, that struggle that it's like these huge balance scales God's will and what I want in my life. How do you, how do you make those things reconcile? I'd love to tell you that I could stand up here today and give you all the answers, but I'm going to go ahead and let you know you'll be disappointed if that's what you're looking for. But I think there's some things that we can learn from the church in Acts. We can learn about their successes and their failures. If you would look with me in Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Um, if you've been paying attention, uh, you know that we sort of skipped out of order here last week. We talked about a few chapters where we looked at the church in Antioch. Now we're jumping back to chapter 12 because uh, we wanted to talk about Antioch here together. But here we're picking up in Acts chapter 12. It says, water break. Drink them if you got them. I make some of y'all uncomfortable. <laughs> Verse 1. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he seized him, he put him in prison, delivering over him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. It's a bleak situation, y'all. James, uh, you know, one of the sons of thunder, James and John, those, those two guys, he has been killed. 
One of the strongest leaders in the church, one who was so outspoken in the early days of Jesus' ministry, and as the, the church is really starting to grow here after the day of Pentecost, he is a leader in the church, and he is killed. And then guess what? If you couldn't, if you thought, hey, maybe we're going to catch our breath and we'll get a break for a second, who's arrested next? Peter. You know, kind of like the chief spokesman, right, for the church. I mean, when you start to think, man, it can't get any worse, right? Sometimes life gets worse. Okay, God, give us a break here. You've already taken, allowed James to be taken, and maybe some people said you've taken like that because that's our normal response sometimes. God, you did this. Or maybe, you know, like, you know I, I just don't know. You know, God, give us a break here. But then Peter's arrested. And just so there's no misunderstanding here, he is not saying, it, it sort of portrays it in this way. He's going to have a trial. Maybe they'll let him off. <laughs> yeah, right. He's going to be killed. Peter's going to be killed. They're just waiting till after the Passover feast and festival to kill him. And they bring him out of the end. They think, man, this will really give the Jewish people, uh, it'll throw them a bone a little bit. The ones that don't like Christianity, especially, and they'll feel like Rome's on their side. So here's, here we go. We're going to have another execution. It, it, people seem to like it. Let's keep the people happy. Bread and circuses, right? So Peter's arrested. And it's bleak. You know, if... If the church needed motivation to pray, this is it, right? This is it. Look at verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. They prayed earnestly, fervently. In the Greek, that word there that's earnest or fervent, it literally has the idea of stretching your hands out to God. You can imagine in this scenario, this scenario, Peter has been arrested. James has just been killed. They know this is not a veiled, empty threat, right? They know this is not posturing. Peter's going down. And so what do they do? They fervently call out to God. They lift, as it says in scripture, holy hands in prayer. They're calling out to God, God, heal him. God, rescue him. God, deliver him. Do something, God. Step in, eat, speak, act. Do something, God. They're on it. They are praying. Look at verse 5. Excuse me, verse 6. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and centuries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. <laughs> it's so interesting to me. But man, this, I can relate to this so much. You know, sometimes... Sometimes it's hard to see how God is answering your prayers. <laughs> you know, Peter, I'm sure, was praying too, along with the church. And even though he was right there in the midst of it, and this is the same guy that we just shared just a couple of weeks ago, he saw this vision, 
you know, this sheet's being lowered down and these animals are all on it. He said, get up, kill and eat. You know, that was a vision. So maybe he's thinking, okay, it's another vision. What am I supposed to learn now? But really, he was being set free. But sometimes, even in the midst of God working, it's hard for us to see it and understand it. That gives me hope, y'all. Because I tell you what, I feel lost and confused sometimes when God is answering my prayer. And a lot of times, I don't realize that he is answering it until after the fact. And so maybe that's what you needed to hear today, is that you are not alone in that. Look at verse 10. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them, all of it on its own accord. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. And there again, it just is another, just further con, just confirming this, is that if you ever feel slow in understanding, you're in good company, y'all. You're in good company. Peter, one of the main spokesmen, one of the apostles, one of Jesus' closest friends, still doesn't understand until things are almost completely done. That Oh, oh yeah, God was doing something. And if you were doubting and you're wondering, I, I'm going to tell you what, I, you know, even once he realized, I guarantee you, if he's like me, Peter's probably looking back, you know, the angel taps him on the side, wakes him up and the chains fall off. Okay. There were 16 guards assigned to watch Peter throughout the night, four shifts, the four watches of the night, four guards at a time, two on either side, two by the gate. I mean, if anything, he could have said, you know, God, make sure there's only one guard and he's easy to sneak by. You know, he sleeps like Luke and doesn't wake up with his alarm <laughs> and doesn't have his phone on ring, just has it on vibrate like me. <laughs> I got to throw myself on the bus a little bit too if I'm throwing you on the bus, sorry. But maybe he could have changed that situation. Or when he gets up, he tells him, get up and put your clothes on. I would have been like, no, I'm good. I run naked. I just want to get out of prison. I mean, don't, y'all, if y'all want to judge me, that's fine. But when you're in a bad situation, do you want to take the time to get everything just perfectly straight? What do you want to do? Go. You want to go. And he's like, you know, leads him out. You know, I mean, it's, all, it's a slow process. You know, couldn't you just zap me from one place to the other? I heard that you did that with Philip when he baptized the Ethiopian eunuch. He just disappeared and showed up in another place. Let's do that thing. You know, not have to sneak out like this. I, you know, I, but I'm being silly, but it's a very real thing, right? Don't you want things to happen right now, right this way, this instant? Boom. I know the way this needs to be done, God. You ever said that? Maybe not out loud. But has that ever been going on in here? God, let me just take control here a little bit. I know what needs to be done. If you ever feel slow in understanding, you're in good company. And then verse 12, when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. They were still praying. Verse 13, and when he knocked at the door of the gateway... 
a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. In verse 15, they said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, it's his angel. It was a common thought, especially in the Jewish culture, that everyone sort of had a guardian angel that was traveling around with them. And they probably thought, oh, you know, it's just his angel. He might already be dead. It's just his angel. You remember how it described the church's prayer early on in the chapter that we just read? They were praying how? Fervently, earnestly. Holy hands in prayer, right? I mean, they're praying They're praying, they're praying. But what's their response when little Rhoda comes and says, Peter's outside the gate? (laughs) You're crazy. You are out of your mind, girl. What have they been praying for? Peter to be freed. When Peter's freed, what's their response? Yeah, right. There's a disconnect there, right? But before we get too high and mighty ourselves, have you ever been like the church was here in this this passage? Where you're like, God, do this, show up in this mighty way, and then when he shows up, you're like, oh, that was a coincidence. I'm glad I worked so hard. Man, it's a good thing that I was able to do that. You big dummy. And I'm talking to myself too, okay? We forget that God is at work in ways that we don't even understand. And he, they, they show up. Are you truly expecting God to show up? Just a few weeks ago, I shared this old story at um, our night of worship. But I'll share it again really with you quickly. Um, uh, supposedly, there was this town that was going through a drought many years ago. And it got so bad that everybody decided they were going to go to the church in the center of town and pray. They were going to go and they were going to pray for rain. And so they're all filing in that day and one, they're waiting. They know that it's a small little village and there's this elderly lady that they know wanted to be there and they keep wondering where she's at. Well, anyway, they look out and here she comes walking, using her umbrella as a cane. And everybody kind of laughs at her and they says, you know, why, why have you got an umbrella? It hasn't rained in three months. And she said, we're praying for it to rain, right? Don't I need an umbrella? Is God going to show up? How many times do we pray for rain and then we don't carry an umbrella? You know, we don't have our rain jacket. How many times do we ask God to show up, but not truly expect him to show up? Look at verse 16. But Peter continued knocking. And when they opened, they saw him and they were amazed, but motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him up out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. Talking about faith and expecting big things out of God, I want to take note of one small little detail right here. He says, tell who and the brothers? James. Who did we just hear was killed before all this took place? Was he expecting them to have a seance? No, different James, right? This James was most likely the brother of Jesus. 
who ends up later being the author of the book of James. And why is this significant? Because for most of Jesus' ministry, what did Jesus' brothers and family think of him? He was a little bit crazy. And so already early in the church, who believes and is considered a leader in the church? James, his brother. I'm telling you, God can do anything, right? God can show up in mighty ways. He can take people who know you the best and think the least of you, and he can get them to call you both Lord and King if you are the Messiah. And if, he's, if there's people in your life that you think, man, they're just never going to believe in Jesus, there's always hope. Keep loving and keep sharing and expect big things. And so that's what I want us to look at really quickly. There's three quick things I want us to make sure we wrap our brains around. If you're going to pray and you're going to improve your prayer life, the first thing is this, expect big things. The church was praying earnestly and fervently, but then they were shocked, right? They were shocked when God answered, and he, they even laughed when God rescued Peter miraculously. So how often... How often do you and I ask God for something, but that we don't truly believe that he can do or better yet will do? How often do we do that? Well, here's a a little practical thing that I believe that can start to help grow your faith in that. And it's scriptural. Start praying about everything. Pray about your parking space. It's okay. That's all right. Pray about everything. And that scripture says to pray about everything, you know, with prayers and petitions. Pray, pray, pray. And as you start to see God move, you'll begin to trust him more. I'll tell you, it's it's a good example, but it's also a little bit sad. One of the times of the most fruitful and faithful prayer answerings that I saw over an extended amount of time was way back in college for me. But it grew my faith in tremendous ways. A group of us guys would get together. Um, I went to Roanoke Bible College, which is now Mid-Atlantic Christian University. And we had a curfew back then, buddy. We were, you know, 19, 20 years old, paying lots of money to go to school, but had to be in bed at like 10 o'clock. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whatever. So us guys, after curfew, some of us would go in a room, and we would get together, and we would talk and hang out, and we would have a prayer time together. And one guy ended up being the person who took notes. He wrote down the prayer requests, and then he put down when prayers were answered. And so we got to look back over about a four-month period over a semester, and we saw how faithful God had been. We had been asking these prayers, and he'd been answering these prayers, and it was just mind-boggling, and and it's sad to say that it was mind-boggling, but we just saw how faithful God was, not just in the big things, but in the small things. So pray about all things. Pray without ceasing, and it'll build your faith. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says this, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. God is able to do more than we ask or even imagine, it says in some translations. But how often do we stop thinking that God won't act or God can't act? I'm reminded of one of my favorite Old Testament stories from 2 Kings where Elisha, the prophet of God, is about to die and the king of Israel comes in, and they're at war with Aram, and he is scared, and he's terrified, and he's like, you're going to die. What am I going to do? We're going to be overwhelmed. And he tells him to go and get some arrows. And he said, I want you to, to bang those arrows on the ground. And so the king goes, and he goes, tap, tap, tap. 
And Elisha is furious. He's like, man, I was expecting you to just slam those things on the ground over and over and over again because that was your prayer for defeating the uh, people of Aram. He's like, you only just want to beat them just a little bit, and that's all you're going to do, but you should have asked for more. You should have been, God, show up. God, show up. God, show up. Do we want our life to matter? For the kingdom? And we got to start asking for big kingdom things. Do we want to be a church that just shows up and has church on Sunday? I can go ahead and tell you the answer to that. No. That's not all we're meant for. We're meant to go and, and storm the gates of death and hell to snatch people from the flames. We are are called to go and make a difference in our community. So we need to start praying for big kingdom things. And you think about the persistent widow that Jesus talked about. He says that she was heard for what? Her relentless knocking and asking. Keep asking God to show up. So you trust and you expect big things. But the next idea is this. You trust God's timing. And this is probably one of the hardest things to understand. A lot of times it takes time to see God's purpose and the good that he can bring from even terrible circumstances. I want to point out to you from verse 6 there at the beginning of chapter 12. It says, now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night when God rescued Peter from the prison, did he do it a week before his date of execution? He sat there probably nervous and scared to death. The church was scared to death. That's why they were praying so fervently. He rescued him when? Like the last minute. Couldn't you have shown up a little bit earlier, God? But he wanted him to rely and know that it was by God's hand. We've got to learn to trust God's timing. And I I just want to say this, and this might not be fun. There's a lot of TV preachers that would really not like me saying this, but it's biblical. It may get worse before it gets better. I think that's why a lot of people give up on God because they believe the false, false, false lies that once you follow Jesus, your life's supposed to be perfect. And that's a lie straight from the pit of hell, y'all. Because this life, until our bodies are resurrected like our spirit has been at baptism, this life will never be perfect until that point when Jesus comes back and we have the second resurrection. It will not be perfect until then. So trust and know that it might get worse before it gets better. You know, just to further teach that point, the soldiers were killed that were watching Peter. Was it their fault? And I know the church probably wasn't praying for that, but what I'm saying is it may look bad, it may look worse, it may look bleak. And the even worse part, the part the church might have absolutely been praying for is that Herod still... He's still in power. He's still doing his thing. He's still hurting the church. He's still hurting Jesus. And it's like, man, is God ever going to show up? It looks like wickedness is just winning all around. And you wonder, what's going on, God? It may seem like evil is winning, but right will prevail. Herod is finally punished. Look at verse 21. 
On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of God and not of a man. Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. But I like what verse 24 says. Don't miss it. But the word of God increased and multiplied. What is that showing us? Is that Herod got what he was due. It took a while. It took a while. It wasn't before James got set free. He died. It was Peter got by, but he, he finally was punished for because he wouldn't give glory to God. And finally, God's like, I've had patience with you. I've had patience with you, but enough is enough. But what happens with the church? The word of God did what? Increased and multiplied. God always wins, y'all. God always wins. And here's the last little part to tie all this together. Develop a kingdom mindset. Expect big things. Trust the timing of God and develop a kingdom mindset. Sometimes the answer is difficult that we get when we pray. I'm just being honest. But if it furthers the kingdom of God, we've got to learn to praise God even in the midst of the trial. Now, this is, this is difficult to understand. I don't negate that. Peter was set free, right? But what about James? He died. Think back a few more chapters to Stephen. Do you think people were not praying for Stephen to be rescued? But what happened to Stephen. Stephen died as well. But what happened after that? It says that the church just grew and grew because they were persecuted and they spread and they went and did what God had called them to do. Now, I don't believe that God killed him, but I believe he used that horrible, sinful situation to help accomplish his purpose. That good still came out of it. Saul became a Christian of a byproduct of Stephen's death. Saul, the one who leads so many people to Jesus, and we've got to trust that God is showing up, and it begins with understanding the truth that this world is not my home. This world is not my home, but that's easier said than done, right? A phrase that I've heard many times, and I try to adopt it and adapt it into my life, is don't threaten me with heaven. <laughs> as hard as it is to say that, Heaven's my home. That's where I want to be, where there's no more crying or pain or death. And I need to have that mindset, and you need to have that mindset that we need to have this idea that heaven is our home and this world is not our home. So we got to seek after that eternal mindset. No matter how our prayers are answered, to go and tell the story of Jesus, because what did Peter say? He said, I was set free. Go and tell other people that God set me free. And that's what it's all about. Tell these things to James and the brothers. Tell people about how God showed up, even in your pain, even in your trials, even in your, your circumstances, even when you felt like there was no hope. Tell the story of Jesus. You may not like the way that the prayer is being answered. I can relate. But if you're faithful, people will be blessed by your example. I've told a few times in the past about a little girl named Lila Grace. Lila Grace lived to the age of about 14 months, I believe. Forgive me if that's off by a little bit. But she lived to the age of 14 months. 
and never stepped outside of a hospital. She had to have a heart transplant at a very, very young age. And it seemed like things were going well for a while, but eventually she won her battle. And the only reason I say that is not to be heartless to a family who grieved, but her family I've seldom seen a family who just embraced a kingdom mindset like that. Yes, they had their moments. I'm sure of it. I'm absolutely sure of it. And rightfully so. But for the most part, they kept saying, they kept saying, how is Lila shining a light for Jesus? And she did. Her little body, her little self that couldn't speak, could barely move, showed such a light for Jesus. And they were able to testify to the goodness of God, even in a horrible situation. The prayer was not answered the way that they would have wanted or in the timing that they have wanted, but they understood that God was going to use it for his glory. And so many people saw Jesus that never would have seen Jesus because of a family that understood that sometimes this life is horrible, but God can make good even of horrible situations. If we have a kingdom mindset, and that kingdom mindset only comes through trials. You know, this foundation of that kind of mindset is laid in Scripture. But I have to be honest, it doesn't just come only through reading Scripture. The walls of that kind of mindset are built in trials. You can only develop a basis of a kingdom mindset through Bible study. You have to read God's word. But if you want it to truly grow and become a part of your life, then you have to put yourself in positions where God has to show up if you want to grow that mindset. Years ago, I was training for a marathon, and I I read this book that I found called The Non-Runner's Marathon Guide. And it had all the psychological stuff, had all the physical stuff. It gave you a plan to run. And if I read that book, I couldn't just show up on the day of race and run the race. The book was great, but I had to put it into practice, didn't I? The same thing with the word of God. We need the word of God to know that God's been faithful in the past and he'll be faithful in the future. But then we've got to put the the miles in. We've got to struggle. We've got to fight. We've got to wrestle. And we've got to trust that God's going to show up. James chapter 1 verse 2 and following says this. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If you want to learn to have joy in trials, it has to come through trials. We've got to learn to trust God that he will show up. So expect big things. Trust God's timing and have that kingdom mindset. I'll wrap things up with this. Do you remember the story of in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 3 of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They decided that they were not going to bow down and worship the golden image. And they're finally brought before the king to answer for their crime. And they basically say, you know, we don't have to be afraid of you, O King Nebuchadnezzar, because our God is bigger and the boogeyman, sorry, if you grew up listening to Veggie Tales. But our God is bigger than you, 
and he can save us from your hand and your fiery furnace, it won't mean a thing. But then there's this little phrase, and I love it, I love it, I love it. It says, but if not, but if not, if God does not choose to save us from the flames, we know that he is good and that he will bring this to his honor and his glory. He will show up in a way that maybe we never expected and there will be the glory of God shining because we were faithful. But if not, and so I challenge you to take that phrase and just hide it away in your heart. God is good and he is able and he is willing But if not, if he chooses not to answer in the way, in the time that you are thinking, trust that he is good and develop that kingdom mindset so that you can see how he is using your situation, using your life and give him the glory. And I believe that's how we'll see the world changed. That's how we'll see the kingdom unleashed. Today, if you need to surrender to that good king, who you've maybe wondered if he can do anything in your life, know that he can and he will if you just surrender to him. Maybe today you're here and you've been wrestling with something that is just bigger than you can carry and you need somebody to pray. I'd love to pray with you. God may not answer the way you thought, but if not, know that he's good. Let's stay on this worship. Listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.